Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're trying to convince someone who's skeptical of something that you know is absolutely true? Well, fortunately, if you have physical evidence, you, you can say to that skeptical person, hey, all right, you don't want to believe me? Fine, come and see. Come and see, I'll, I'll show you. Well, come and see is a bold invitation. Because when you invite someone to come and see, there had better be something to see once that person gets there. Otherwise, it embarrasses you, and that person is probably not going to accept your invitation again to come and see. On the night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, an angel appeared to some shepherds way out in the fields. And he said, I've got good news of great joy. And after he told them, what that news was. Then a whole host of angels appears in the sky saying, glory to God in the highest. It's, it's an incredible scene. But here's what happens after that. In Luke 2, verse 15, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I think a dramatic appearance of angels in the sky in the, in the middle of nowhere while you're out watching sheep, that, that would be enough motivation at least for me, to make me want to get up and go see what they were talking about. But let's fast forward 30 years from that night. Jesus is now grown, and Jesus is starting his earthly ministry. And Scripture tells us that Jesus came from Nazareth to be baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. And after he was baptized... In the Gospel of John, we read where Jesus went about calling some of his first disciples. But here's one of those instances in John 1, beginning in verse 43. It says, The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Well, maybe Philip, when he talked about the one the prophets wrote about, maybe this was one of those scriptures that came to mind. Isaiah, the prophet, said in Isaiah 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him. Emmanuel. But Nathanael is skeptical. And so Nathanael's response in verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Whether Nathanael is talking about the rivalry that existed between Cana and Nazareth, or, or whether he just thinks that Nazareth is just like the other side of, of nowhere, that no one, nothing good can come from there. We, we really don't know. 
But regardless, Nathaniel did not think that Messiah and Nazareth belonged in the same sentence. But in spite of the fact that we wonder why Nathaniel might think that way, actually, Nathaniel had some scriptural backing because there's very little evidence in scripture that Messiah would be from Nazareth. So, he's not totally out there, but still, he's extremely skeptical. But undeterred, Philip doesn't argue with him. Philip doesn't sit down and go through some great theological debate. Philip simply says, come and see. Come and see. He's issued that bold invitation. So, if he said, come and see, there had better be something for Nathaniel to see when he gets there. And verse 47 says, When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. What does Jesus mean by that? No, he doesn't mean that Nathanael is perfect. Basically what he's saying is that Nathanael is someone that's full of integrity, that he's sincere. But there's also the implication in Jesus' words that would really have, have hit home with Nathanael. When he says he's an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, what he's doing is he's referring to the ancestral father of the Israelites, Jacob. Jacob's name meant he cheats. So what basically Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, he's saying, look, here is someone who has integrity and is sincere, unlike your ancestral father. But Nathaniel says in verse 48, he says, how do you know me? Nathanael asks. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael's like, have we met? Of course, the obvious answer is, is no. But Jesus says, I, I saw you sitting under the, the fig tree. Some have suggested that Sitting under the fig tree was a reference to someone who would, would sit down and study the Word of God and, and meditate. But we really don't know. And we really don't know if Jesus saw him far off sitting under a fig tree. We don't know how far this fig tree was away. We don't know if Jesus saw him in, in his omniscience. But here's the thing. Something gets triggered in Nathaniel. Because verse 49 says, Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then he added, or he added, he then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending. On the Son of Man. What causes him to believe? What causes Nathaniel to believe it seems like such a small thing? Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. <laughs> Why would that make someone believe? I mean, you contrast that to the experience we read about with the angels and the shepherds. That's dramatic. That's going to make me want to go and, and look and see and, and possibly believe. But all Jesus says is, hey, I, I, I saw you. I saw you under the fig tree. Really doesn't matter. Dramatic or subtle. Nathaniel's response confirms that he saw something, that he felt something, that something was triggered in him when he had a face-to-face -face encounter 
with Jesus Christ. It triggered something in him. And the scripture tells us that he believed. B.W. Johnson has suggested that the strongest proof that Jesus is the Christ is Jesus himself. Now, there's a whole lot more to this story. I mean, you can explore and, and look at a whole lot of different angles in, in this story. There's some really interesting allusions to, to Jacob and, and some things from the Old Testament. But you can study those, but we're not going to go there today because even though all that's fascinating and, and has value, I, I don't want to get away from just the simple, the simple message that's here. Here's the simple message. Philip invited Nathanael to come and see. When he got there, there was indeed something to see. And it resulted in Nathanael believing that Jesus was indeed who he claimed to be. That's the simple message. Now, that simple message, though, should cause us as a church as believers in Jesus Christ, to really consider two important questions during this Christmas season. And the first question is this. Are we inviting people we know to come and see Jesus? Are we inviting people we know to come and see Jesus? It's, this is about as basic as it gets. Philip finds Jesus, the Savior of the world. Jesus invites him into a relationship with him. Philip is excited about this discovery and about this new relationship. And Philip wants so badly for his friend Nathaniel to have the same kind of experience. So he simply shares with him the fact, I have found the Savior. I found the one that we've been looking for all our lives. Nathaniel's response is like we get a lot of times. People are skeptical. Nathaniel is skeptical about such a thing. But Philip doesn't argue. Philip doesn't get defensive. Philip doesn't present some long, detailed theological argument. He simply invites him to come and see for himself. And the question for those of us who have found salvation through Jesus Christ, for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is are we inviting our friends to come and see what we found? Now, I know we need to be inviting everybody. I understand that. But let's, narrow, let's just narrow it down to Philip just for a minute. Philip's first response was to go invite a friend. So yes, we should be inviting everyone to come and see Jesus, but let's focus on this friend thing for just a moment. When you go to a restaurant, especially if it's a new restaurant, and the food comes out, and it's just, oh my goodness, you just can't believe it. And about five friends come into your mind that you say, man, they would love to see this. So what do you do? You pull it out of your pocket. You take the picture. Now, I used to do that. I used to take pictures of food and send it to my friends. And I would look around and make sure no one was looking. And then I'd slip it up and go, and send it to them. Now everybody does it. So I, I'm not embarrassed. I take a picture. Here's the thing. 
We are so excited about our food at a restaurant that we will take a picture of it and send it to friends. There's nothing wrong with that, but shows how excited we are. Sporting events, a sports team, regardless of what team you pull for. If your team pulls off some miracle play and wins a ball game, your first inclination in your celebration is to call your friend who you know is a fan and make sure he saw this event, either that or a replay, so he can share in this joy with you. Don't you know there were a lot of Michigan State fans that called their friends last night when that guy stuck the ball over the goal line with about 20-some seconds left? We want our friends to celebrate that good fortune of our sports team with us. You go on vacation. My friends do this to me all the time. They'll go on vacation and they send me pictures of their feet. They do. It's weird. But what they do is they're laying down either in a hammock or in this nice lounge chair and the feet are really not what's meant to be in the picture. It's that beautiful beach that lies beyond it. They're, they found something great, and they want to share it. If you go to a vacation spot, whether it's the mountains or the beach or someplace that's beautiful, and you think, man, so-and-so would just love this. So what do you do when you get back? You tell them all about it, and you show them your pictures. It's what we do when we find something in our own lives that's exciting. Now, if we get that excited about a restaurant or about a particular play that our sports team makes, or about a vacation spot, can't we at least muster enough excitement in us about Jesus coming and saving us that we would share it with our friends? Can't we muster at least that amount of excitement that we have about restaurants, about this relationship with Christ, and share it with our friends? It's an important question for us. Now, are we inviting our friends specifically to come see Jesus here at Clarksburg Baptist Church? Christmas time is a wonderful opportunity to do that. Our Christmas Eve service is a great opportunity for you to invite someone to come and find Jesus here. But if you think about it, Christmas time, just in general, a lot of times at Christmas time, people are thinking about spiritual things. They're thinking about if they've been away from church for a while, they're thinking about getting back to church. Or it might be a time when people are lonely, or people are depressed, or it might be a time when they're just craving a reason to hope, and a reason to have peace, and a reason to know love, and a reason to know joy. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And I know this sounds repetitive. But how many of your friends have you ever invited here to see Jesus? Think for a moment. How many friends did you tell about the last great restaurant you went to? How many friends did you share with the great Victory that, that your sports team made. And again, how many people have you brought with you here to see Jesus? So what I want to ask you to do 
during this Christmas season. Not asking you to stop a total stranger on the street. Not asking you to go and knock on some door and invite someone you've never seen before to come and find Jesus. If you want to do that, that's fine. That's great. Go for it. But what I'm asking is, will you commit to inviting a friend, an acquaintance, somebody you know, somebody you're probably going to talk to this week, if not today? Will you commit to inviting them to coming here to find Jesus during the Christmas season? If you are a believer in Christ and Christ has saved you, can you muster enough excitement about that? that you can invite a friend. So, if I am invite, asking you to invite a friend to come and see, there needs to be something for them to see when they get here. Like I said at the beginning, come and see is a bold invitation. It assumes there's something that's worth seeing. So, what will they see? Well, certainly we want the place to be clean. And certainly we want the music to be uh, well done and we want the sermons to be biblically based and we want people to be friendly and we want to have things for your children and, and, and for youth. We want all of that to happen. But as important as the environment is, the question is, is there anything worth seeing, really worth seeing here? In other words, will, will they find Jesus if we invite them here? Will they see Jesus? Will they confront Jesus that not only can save them, but can transform them? Or will we just confirm their stereotypes? You know, they think Christians and church and all this are not for them, and sometimes we invite them to come and see and all we do is confirm their stereotypes that there was nothing here worth seeing. Nothing any different from anything they see every day. Nathaniel said, can anything good come of Nazareth? People ask that question all the time. Can anything good come out of that old church that sits there on the corner of 6th and Pike Streets in downtown Clarksburg? Is there anything good there? Is there anything worth seeing there? Surely nothing good can come out of that. So with that being said, not many people are just going to accidentally come in here. Nathaniel didn't accidentally just stumble onto Jesus. He was invited. But he was invited to come and see. And when he got there, there was something to see. So, if we're going to invite people, we need to make sure Jesus is here for those that we invite. Now, the hard truth is, it's up to us whether or not they see Jesus. Well, how are they going to see Jesus? And, and, and why is it my responsibility? Well, you claim his name. If, if you say that you are a Christian, that means little Christ. You, you, you are taking his name. So if we invite people to come and see, you're the ones he's gonna, they're going to be looking at to see if they can find Jesus. So what are we going to show them? What are we going to show them? Are we going to show them the, the sacrificial love of Jesus that shows in the way we treat 
one another? Are we going to show them the genuine care of Jesus in the way that we reach out to others? Are we going to show them the transforming of power of Jesus in the way that we show that our lives have truly been changed and transformed? Are we going to show them the grace of Jesus as opposed to the judgment that we often look down on people? Are we going to show them the humility of Jesus in the way that we place others above ourselves? Are we going to show them the resurrection power of Jesus in the way that we have victory over whatever comes our way? Will they see in us the Jesus that dines with tax collectors and sinners? Are they going to see in us the Jesus who stoops to wash his disciples' feet? Are they going to see in us the Jesus who said to the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more? Are they going to see the Jesus who invites children to come to him? Are they going to see the Jesus who prays, not my will, God, but yours be done? Are they going to see the Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve? Are they going to see the Jesus who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross? Are they going to see the Jesus whose kingdom is not of this world? If we show them anything else, they will see something, but it won't be Jesus. That's a tall order for us. And it asks the question, has anyone, has anyone ever mistaken you for Jesus? You may say, well, that's a silly question. Not really. I said you bear his name. So has anyone ever mistaken you for the person whose name you bear? The mission of our church is to strive daily to become more and more like Jesus. That's what we're about. And it's a serious mission. And it's serious because if we claim to know him, then we should walk like Jesus, we should talk like Jesus, we should act like Jesus, and we should react like Jesus. Jesus should be our pattern, and his presence in our lives should show in everything that we do. Knowing him is not simply quoting scripture. It's not simply showing up on Sunday morning. It's not simply just doing a good thing here and there. But it's showing by the way that you live your life every single day that you belong to him. That they can see him in you. Will they find him? Will they find him if we invite him here? If we invite them here? The Advent and Christmas season is a wonderful time for us to invite people to come and see. But we need to remember that it's up to us what they will see when they come. Let's pray.